0: You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey, everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview. Hey everyone, it's Call Me Adam, and on today's episode of "Burying It All with Call Me Adam on the Broadway Podcast Network, I am chatting with three-time Tony nominee, Mark Kudish. We are discussing all things Broadway, the COVID-19 pandemic, and so much more, so stay tuned. Hi, Mark. Good morning. How are you? Good. I'm thrilled to be able to get to speak to you. Uh, it's nice to catch up with you. We uh, we actually originally met when I saw you in Thoroughly Modern Millie back in 2001.
1: Was it a good first meeting?
0: It was, yes, definitely.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that.
0: <laughs> yes. And I've seen you in several shows since then, but it's nice to finally get the opportunity to interview you.
1: Well, thanks, man. It's nice to talk to you too. Oh, thank you. So let's
0: get started. Uh first of all, how have you been holding up during the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: Good. I mean, we've been fortunate. My wife Shannon and I, we've been very fortunate. Uh we live on the north corner of Central Park West and instead of going somewhere else, we decided that we were going to stay put. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> and that's 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 how we live now, right? Yes. Um no, so where we are is actually really kind of comfortable. Uh, we're across the street from the park. We have a dog, so we're able to take our dog, you know, on walks. That's when we get outside. And because a lot of people have left the city, it's really quiet or has been for the last five or six weeks up here. And so there's a certain kind of peacefulness that's laid over the city. There's a quiet that we're not used to. And when you're doing eight shows a week and when you're busting your butt and you're opening a show and you're in that sort of, um, you know, that habit trail um, of running hard, you forget what it is to take a breath. And so obviously we've been, uh, you know, sort of forced into taking a, a pause, as we've all been calling it. Yes. And there are some definite pluses to having a minute to just breathe. So it's been on the bell curve of things for us, and we've been healthy. Thank I mean, God. we've been healthy. Uh, we've also been vigilant. So, with all those things considered, it's been um, on the bell curve of things for us. It's been pretty great.
0: Good. I'm glad to hear that. What are um, what are some projects and tasks you've tackled
1: since being home? Uh, listening that's a big task and tackle. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean that, that's not a joke. No, um, no, I believe you. You know, when you're living together and, you know, I mean, my wife and I've been together for a long time, but when you're spending this kind of time together and both of us were like in the midst of projects. So, mm-hmm. you know, we all get into that tunnel vision when we're working and listening is a big part of where we are now because like, that's it, right? Yes. Like, What are the day-to-days? day to day um i mean among other things you know we we've done some work in our storage units down in the basement of our building we've built some Mm -hmm. shelves we've been training our dog we have a a a mini aussie puppy that's like about to be eight months now so you know to have that time has actually been kind of really cool but also just you know Listening, it's a, it's 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 a it's it's tough. It's really challenging, and so now we're in a space that we can really sort of focus and exercise that. Um, funny, that's not the response that I necessarily thought I'd be giving you, but, <laughs> but, but it's that's true. the honest response. Yeah, um,
0: listening is a big art form, and I, I mean, I remember in school learning about. I mean there was like a, a I didn't take a whole class on learn on listening but there part of a class I took on communication was how important it is to hear other people when they're speaking to you and not be thinking what's the next thing you're going to say but to truly right. listen.
1: Well it's a, funny too cuz like you know I'm big on that when I'm on stage like you know in work you know I'm really focused on the idea of listening and I'm mm-hmm. focused on the idea of being present to what's happening with my fellow actors in the audience. I think that's a big part of why we all gather that way to share those ideas and be present to the moment, which is what makes eight shows a week so exciting, because there's always a a new audience sitting out there, a new entity, literally a new yes. a new being eight shows a week. So it's an entity that is hearing it for the first time. So listening has always been um, something that I've really focused on in work. Fascinating to really face up to how little you may actually do it in the rest of your life. And because now we're in our lives, you just begin to realize the bigger bulk of what life actually is. mm uh-huh. It's amazing when you can get so busy that you can really just tune a lot of other things out. So it's good to have the time now to exercise the other the other muscles.
0: Yes. And not only listening to someone else that you're with, but just listening, like you mentioned, I think earlier, to your own thoughts and
1: well, yeah, man. But I mean also just look, let's be let's let's just be honest, right? Because everybody's been talking about what are you doing during the pandemic and what Mm. are you doing to spend it, and we've had that conversation now for five or six weeks, right? Right. So let's just be really honest. Um, You know, I think that's wearing down on everybody now Mm -hmm. um, because now we're actually in it. Like on week one, week two, there was something still, you know, newish to it. Week three, we were just sort of kind of getting it. Now we're in it, and we realize what it is. We know what it is. We know we're going to be in it a while longer. Yes, which i think is good but what's really fascinating is then going okay so what do you do right mm-hmm. so what do you do now that you're in it and you know you're in it what do you do now this is your life now you know do we just sit and wait or do we actually continue to be active and live our lives and 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 use the time effectively which mm-hmm. is what i think At least I want to do. I'm trying to do. And speaking of busy, one project that you've actually been doing,
0: working on since the quarantine is a new podcast, a new musical podcast called Bleeding Love, which is also on the Broadway Podcast Network.
1: Yeah. So how did you initially get involved with this project? Well, Harris, uh, you know, uh, uh, just gave me a call uh, or reached out. Uh, We had recorded... um, a concept record, a great recording, by the way, mm-hmm. um, years ago. And it was with a full orchestration from the Netherlands and everything. So, I mean, like oh, with wow. full orchestra, we were able to put down this concept recording for um, the States. And we did it and it was fun and it was really interesting. And I remember back then, because it's an apocalyptic Musical, so you go. Oh, okay, what is this? You know, a lot of times you think, you know, it's going to be camp or it's going to be silly or, you know, I mean, what are we doing? Are we doing a a sort of a, a rocky horror esque thing? You know, because mm-hmm. it's just not something that uh, you might necessarily take seriously because it, it it seems extreme and absurd. Of course, until you're actually in a moment that is in reality extreme and quasi absurd. Yes. And so he gave a call and he said, listen, we want to do a, a like a radio play. We have all of the recordings. We're reaching out to everybody that did the recording. We want to record the entire show. We want to mm-hmm. put it into a, a radio play form, which I love. I've always loved radio plays. I've done radio plays. And I just think that mm-hmm. there's something really fun about them because it allows for an audience's imagination to really fly. Yes. So we did it. And like listening to it again, the idea of these people that are stuck inside and that cannot go outside Mm -hmm. obviously that rings very true. And so suddenly this idea of absurd fiction gets very close to life. Mm -hmm. I love it when we're reminded that, you know, there may not be uh, very much distance between fact and fiction. Yes. That makes for the best theater in my opinion. So, it was great we all got together on this platform. Mhm. And it was early on too, which was good timing I think on everyone's part to realize um that this was a really good idea right now, especially given the only way to reach out to each other is is through the internet, is through social media. You know, through platforms like this and mm-hmm. It was fun and it was super interesting because it also gave us a window into, okay, so like I was saying before, if this is our new normal, if this is the way, the platform in which we can connect, what's it going to be like? Mm -hmm. And as far as I know... um, Everyone involved in Bleeding Love were the first to take a step in the direction of continuing to try to create new content. New content over this media,
0: yes, which I think is incredible because it gives some, it gives us as listeners something really, really new to to listen to and experience. And um, I I have listened to a few of the of the songs already, and I do like how you said it's like with the radio play it gives us an opportunity to use our imagination to think of what the set's going to be like what each character is wearing and it's you still get you get a full experience from listening to it how
1: old are you how old are you Alan 44 okay okay. so you know we're like a decade apart Mm -hmm. and when I was a kid and I was growing up my father was a huge fan of radio plays of mm. Tarzan, of the Shadow, uh, and 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 because of him, I got into it big. The Shadow, I loved mm. the Shadow; it was so cool. And like radio plays were huge, so this is not new, right? It's a new technology for an old style, and and it works because it's worked before, mm-hmm. and it's worked before that. And like when you really think about greek theater and the fact that it was just you know a couple of actors standing on a stage essentially reciting if you will singing a poem Mm -hmm. and that's what they did and all of the information came through the expression of the actor and then that's what a radio play was with something like this with bleeding love the description of what the world was like in so many ways is far more impactful with the music underlying it than if you actually saw something. Yes, I look, yes, man, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, theater's so much better. Less is more in the theater in my mm-hmm. opinion. It just is. So I love the idea of radio plays. I think it's very exciting. And I definitely think that it is something to continue to be explored now. Because even, look, even when we are back, whatever back is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's going to be a lot of things that we all learn that we're going to want to keep. Mm hmm. I believe that. Like I say to everybody when I'm in any kind of an interview situation, and I say to you, and I say to everyone who may be listening to this, what will you keep when you go back to work? What will you keep when we go back to a normal? It won't be the same normal, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it, we're very quick to forget certain things. Once people can socialize and they can travel and they can get out and they're going back to their nine to five, they're going back to their night jobs or whatever, we'll want to get back into a routine and we'll want to forget about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. But what are the things that you'll keep? And I think that in this, there are going to be things that we will keep and including in performance. I think that this platform is going to uh, show us a lot of creativity. With the COVID
0: 19 climate in mind, how we're living now, how did that influence how you related to your character and Bleeding Love of the Super? Did it influence how
1: you approached it at all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, everything is good. Look, you know, it's like I like to say, you got to look through the lens that you're wearing right now. And we're looking through the lens of this pandemic now. So, to not do that, you know, is to not be honest to the moment. Right. So, while we were working on it, yeah, I was thinking about it and the idea of the character and the fact that he has guns and keeps his guns clean and ready because that moment will come in his point of view. It's Mm -hmm. not a question of if, it's always a question of when. And obviously, now more than when we recorded it guns are a big issue in this country um yes. you know you see these people that talk about you know guns and their right to guns and uh-huh. and you know and now most of these protesters that are coming out against being isolated or quarantined or coming out like Carrying their guns as Mm -hmm. though that's going to hurt the virus, right? No, it's
0: it's very. What's your
1: gun gonna do? Right. (laughs) Like, how is that a sign of I'm strong and going to protect myself and my family and my neighbors from the virus? Mm -hmm. I'm going to walk out in public without a mask, without gloves. I'm going to stand next to the guy. That's you know, really close. We're gonna rub shoulders, uh-huh. but I got a gun. <laughs> so it's all good. I just do not understand that mentality, but it is a mentality that exists. There is something, it's an amazing time, dude. Yes. Emotions have taken precedence over logical, actual thinking.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's amazing to me. I mean, I how think that, you feel is more yeah. important than what actually is.
0: Yes, yes, agreed.
1: agreed. So that does did that influence me? Yeah, sure. absolutely. Of course. Um, because it's true. It is absurd and it is extreme.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and it is true. And that's how you relate. My belief is is that theater is about engaging a community. Entertainment to me is the given. When you have a bunch of actors that are really talented and they're out in front of you and they're presenting a story or an idea, a moral, that already is entertaining, right? right? Right. So, how do we engage them in a conversation that really allows for that conversation to continue long after the play is over? Mm. But the difference between actors and unfortunately where politicians have gone is actors tell the truth. That's our job. Our job is to be out there and to tell the truth, to be honest. Yes. That's our job. Our job is to break down the human condition, to carry our flaws as swords, to express those flaws in front of a community. That's what empathy is. Is that we can all relate. Every one of us can understand anger, we can understand grief, we can understand mm-hmm. celebration, mm-hmm. and mostly together. You know, we don't try to hide our flaws. We expose them. We don't not apologize. We actually look for the complexity within apology. Mm-hmm. Because that's what that's when we realize how close we really are. That's why I say. Most Americans are on the same side of, of 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 gun laws and gun possession and gun responsibility. I don't even think we need to have that conversation. No. We no. just need to have it in a more theatrical form and less mm-hmm. of a political form.
0: Priceline presents, go to your happy price. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. All right, see ya. I'm off to Miami. No, actually, wow, look at that. No, I- I'm going to Hawaii now. Ooh, Cancun looks nice. You know what? Belize looks pretty nice this time of year. Or, mmm, Palm Springs. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy prize, Priceline.
1: Febreze is a proud partner of Can't Cancel Pride, However you choose to express yourself, Febreze has the perfect scent to make your home even more fabulous in your own unique way. Have an amazing pride from Febreze.
0: Yes. Yes. No, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think that's one of the things I actually I liked about um, Assassins was it satisfied my theatrical need you know it,
1: good it was man a great show 100% I'm very happy that you brought that up yes 100% I can tell you about that show
0: mm-hmm.
1: given that we've been celebrating Steve's 90th birthday yes which we should I mean I don't know whatever we celebrate his birthday every year um, right. <laughs> because he's Steven Sondheim and we will never have another man. A person, a writer like him. There will be others that are of incredible value, even of equal stature, but not with his you know, his voice is his own, and we should celebrate. I celebrate it every time I listen to any of his music. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Yes. Sort of like Valentine's Day. Why does that <laughs> have to happen one time a year? Right. It should be every, every day. Every day should be Valentine's right. Day. Right. So every day to me that you listen to a Sondheim song is a celebration,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but assassins. Uh, I've never had an experience like our first preview on the stage before or after in my life, Mm. ever. And I think that everyone else in the cast would say the same thing. I've never experienced it. It was the purest form of theater that I've ever felt. I've never felt so alive Mm. on a stage as when I walked out there for our first preview and opened the show. And I opened the show. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, and what I loved about it was it, to me, brought together what ultimately the theater is meant to do. It is entertaining, it is engaging, and it poses. The theater is the last socially acceptable place to have the politically incorrect conversations. Mm -hmm. It is the one place that we can talk about our darkest fears and That's the forum in which we can really suss out who we are and who we want to be and why we may not be that. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I loved it. And walking out there and just singing those first lines, you know, Uh hey, pal, feeling blue, don't know what to do. Hey, pal, I mean you, you want to kill the president? And ever, I I mean- (laughs) That's how it opens. Yeah. Those are the first lines. It's so square in your face. Mm-hmm. This is this is where we're going tonight, folks. And it's wildly entertaining. It's incredibly well written. John Weidman, thank you very much, John. And I just and when we would do talkbacks,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I remember our first talkback with an audience. Usually when you do a talk back at a Broadway show or whatever, you know, you leave, you come back. There's like 100, 200, maybe 300 people in the audience. We came back out on a stage after getting out of costume. No one had left. Wow. Not one single audience member left. They wanted to talk and they wanted to do more than talk. Mm. They wanted to fight. Mm. Now, this is back in 2004. Am I correct? Yes, Yes. Thank you. Around there. Yes. Ooh. And I remember how charged the audience was, and I remember how much people just needed to talk and get off their chest what they thought. And again, right? This is three years after 9-11. Right. The fact that Assassins is on Broadway in itself is almost inexplicable.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Because it was originally supposed to be, I think, 2001. Right. And then they pushed it. Multiple times when they originally created the show in 93, we were in the Falkland War. So nice. every time Assassins was going to take that step forward, there was something that came up that made it not the right time. Mm-hmm. And we were all waiting for the shoe to fall off. And there it was. You know, it was the right time
0: mm-hmm.
1: for that. Like I'm very, I know that Classic Stage Company was about to do yes. an off-Broadway revival of it, which right. fascinated me. Um Because there's a part of me that is very curious to see how the show is relevant now. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Back in 2004, we were still, another national anthem was still a conversation. It was still a warning for what could be. Mm -hmm. Another national anthem now almost seems like, yeah, been there, done that, know that. We're not warning anyone anymore. It's right. here. Right. We did not heed the warning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I'm curious about the show. Um, I mean, it is it is for sure one of the greatest things I've ever had the opportunity to work with in the theater. An incredible company, incredible mm-hmm. direction by Joe Mantello. Yes. I mean, I could go through the list of what was amazing about it, the roundabout. No one else was going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm proud as hell of it. Uh, I will always be proud. And because it satiates that thing in me about engaging in an audience in a very uncomfortable conversation. Yes. Um, And not to segue, but just to say like like Girl from the North Country is another one of those experiences for me. Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of, it's not the same, but it is an equal sort of level of engaging in an audience in something that is really challenging entertaining mm-hmm. given engaging uncomfortable and leaves you with far more questions than answers but cathartic um mm-hmm. you know I've been fortunate I've done interestingly of those kinds of shows a lot of them. Hand to God was one of those shows. Even in a dark comedy, it was mm-hmm. still wildly uncomfortable and raised a lot of heavy questions. Mm-hmm. Anything I've done with Michael John LaCusa, see what I want to see. Uh, same same thing here in New York City. Like I love those shows that engage, and in a lot of ways, Bleeding Love does that too. It, it engages in an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. The sandbox is very sweet. It's a romance. But but the context, the world that that romance is trying to live in is what gives it, you know, a lot of catharsis and a lot of, um, well, complicated emotions. Yes,
0: yes. I mean, I will say with with the assassins, I, I think I saw it, I definitely saw it twice, maybe three times. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it definitely, I always left the theater with thoughts and, and um, you know, it definitely made me think and, and what, you know, conversations to have. And um, I mean, I felt to some degree, even, even nine to five leads to the conversations with sexism and, um, right. you know, how the corporate world, even, even today, still
1: runs. Nine to five always works because it's less, I want to say, this is going to sound interesting. Uh, I don't know if it's going to sound interesting. (laughs) It's less site-specific. What Mm -hmm. I mean by that is, Assassins is very clear. We're dealing with very specific personalities. Um, It is a fictional telling, obviously, of real people and real incidents. Yes. Um, Whereas even though it is in a very abstract setting. Uh, Whereas, you know, obviously nine to five is a, it's fictional. It could be happening in almost any time. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a classic case of the big guy against the little guy. Yes. Um, It is the classic case of uh, male clashing with female. Um, So they're very um basic themes basic challenges that we're continually challenged with so yeah nine to five is going to work nine to five is going to work now even more powerfully i think than when we did it because it's a male-dominated society uh and particularly in our administration and again i got no problem saying it they want to live back in the 1980s Mm -hmm. clearly and that ain't where we are, Jack. Right. <laughs> and women have a lot to be angry about and women have a lot to have to fight for again.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Thought we'd already been down the road. Right. So today. um. So I do, I think nine to five and, and, and working on that show. Again, I had a great time with it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful time. Dolly Pardon is one of those people that everyone should have five minutes of Dolly in their lives. Yes. Face to face with Dolly for five minutes will do you a lot of good. Oh,
0: I I will never forget my five minutes when I met her at the Virgin Megastore in 2002. It was incredible.
1: Oh my God, that's hysterical. You just said Virgin Megastore. (laughs) But you know, yeah, no, I loved working with her. She was amazing and wonderful and present and Mm -hmm. there. And every day we were in rehearsals, so was she. Every day we were taking notes, so was she. And... I mean, what a cat. I was literally just talking about this yesterday with Shannon,
0: mm.
1: like Allison Janney, who was just uh. magnificent. I mean, she's she is a magnificent person. I just, yes. she's a very cool, I just dig her. And I mean, of course, uh, Stephanie Block, who uh. is just a magnificent person and you gotta dig her. And Megan Hilty, who is a mm-hmm. magnificent person and you gotta dig her. And and my friend Kathy Fitzgerald, uh, oh, who yes. just oh my gosh, I loved her. So like this amazing cast of women, strong women, smart women, powerful women, and I had to be, I had to behave so badly towards them, <laughs> and I mean yeah. that, like yeah. I had to just be not nice. Mm-hmm. Eight shows a week, that, that that'll wear you down. Yeah. You know it's I remember when we uh, did the opening in Los Angeles and of course um, Lily Tomlin was there Jane Fonda was there Dabney Coleman was there obviously Dolly was there and we all took a picture together which was really cool and I have this football in the show uh-huh. uh like uh, that I always played with like Frank always had a football in his hands yes yes and I got them all to sign it
0: Oh wow.
1: And that thing is sitting on my shelf in my bedroom right now and I'm looking oh. at it. And like I remember Dabney saying to me, because he and I had worked together like um on a pilot before, and he said to me, How many times a week do you do this? And I said, Eight shows a week. I do this eight shows a week. He looked at me and he went, You know, with the whole um, the garage door thing, he mm-hmm. said, Four times, Mark, four times. That's it. <laughs> he was like after four, I was done. <laughs> 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 and I was like, and that's the theater, man. Yep. It's live every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean.
0: Did you ever get stuck? Yes. Oh, wow.
1: Yes. One night we were performing in New York, mm-hmm. and I went after Megan as Dor Lee. And then they would always pull me up. And I ended up going upside down, and the carabiner. Which is like you know the 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 little metal hook thing, yeah, yeah, got caught up on my foot on 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 the the foy wire. Oh my so god! So I was hanging upside down, and I couldn't get back down, and I was stuck, like stuck, and literally in character, I had to say to her, Dorley, little help, little help here." <laughs> Dorley, I need you to help me. Okay, I'm sorry. I need you to help me right now. I really need help. And, and initially, I could tell on her, you know, she was like, what's going on? And then she realized I was stuck. Oh so God. then we just had to improvise the scene while she was trying to get me unhooked. <sighs> and it was tense because I could tell she felt a deep amount of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's not a technician. Right. I'm not a technician. And it was really wild because she did finally get my foot unhooked. And she let me go and I was able to sit back down again. And then I went for her. (laughs) And I could see a mix of confusion. Mm -hmm. And she was already, we were both so sort of stressed from Mm -hmm. what had happened and having to do that live. And she was so mad at me. Oh, my God. And I felt horrible. And I'm in chains, man. I'm yeah. literally in chains and leather. So when the scene ended and I finally got off the stage, I literally ran backstage around in my chains and leather to go find her because I wanted to say, are you okay? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. And I found her. And I was like – Megan, are you all right?" and she's like, "Why were you so mad at me?" <laughs> and I said I was just staying in character. I mean, I didn't want to break like and she was like, "I just Damn it, Mark, I just I couldn't tell." And and I just was like, I felt so bad. I felt oh so bad. Um, oh but that's live theater for that you. That is. That is. Oh my
0: gosh. Well, this has been like such an incredible interview. I just want to get to a few more questions.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Um, I know no, you have okay. half the questions you wanted to ask here.
0: That's okay. That's okay. Um, I do just want to touch on the rehearsal process for "Bleeding Love" and yeah. recording, and sort of what that was like in this climate, as opposed to actual rehearsal process uh, in in when you're preparing for a live sh- theater show on
1: a stage. I don't know what anyone else is going to say to this, but really it's not that different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, what was great is we were on two platforms at once, right? So we were in Hangouts, which is a video platform. Yeah. And then we were in Zencaster, which is what we're in right now. And that's for audio. So we would mute ourselves. We would all go to Hangouts. Mm-hmm. We would get on so that we would have a video of everyone else's faces. Then we would mute ourselves there. Mm-hmm. And then we would go over to Zencaster and that's where we would listen to each other. Wow. But what was nice about it was that way you can see the person or you can see, you know, that person that you're interacting with or who you're in the scene with and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you're getting this really great recording um, on the other end, and it's happening simultaneously. So in some ways it's not, it wasn't really very different at all about mm-hmm the process of what we would do if we were rehearsing and then we were doing a staged reading of it, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and it was the same. We had a day rehearsal Mm -hmm. and then we had the day where we were like, okay, good. Now we're going to record. Um, and it was, I found it to be a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It, Mm -hmm. it, I will say, here's the biggest difference. You're not on your feet. Right. Right. (laughs) So like when you're recording and again, Oh, I don't know about anyone else, but when I'm working, I'm in it and mm-hmm. I lose track of time. Mm-hmm. I lose track of everything. <laughs> and I remember when we were done and we, I, there was a day where we had like an eight hour day and I just got up and I was like, oh my God, my back, you know, mm. oh, I've been sitting for hours. And then I just was like, damn, is this what it feels like to be in a nine to five sitting in front of a screen all day, sitting yeah. at a desk all day? Ooh, that's rough. Mm-hmm. But it was a really fun process. I mean, I really liked it, I gotta say. And I'm I'm actually very interested in continuing the exploration of this format. That's great. Why not, man?
0: Yes. No, it's, I mean, as a listener, I I love it. So I I hope it
1: continues. I think so. I think there's something, you know, look, man, I know a lot, like I said, a lot of people have been hungry and we've been watching like the late night shows, you know, doing their home editions, which in a lot of ways has been wonderful. I love Jimmy Fallon. I mean, I liked Jimmy Fallon before. I love him now. Watching him with his family, Mm -hmm. his kids, it's hysterical. You learn about people. You're able to get closer in some ways. Yes. Because you don't have Mm -hmm. an audience and you're not putting on a performance and like Mm -hmm. you really are just sort of inviting people in. There's something really intimate about it that I really dig. Yeah. So, that's why I think that there's a lot to be had in this format. Mm -hmm. It cannot match live theater. Right. And it will never match live theater. That doesn't mean it can't be its own thing. Right. It's a great addition. So, long answer. I enjoyed the process of putting Bleeding Love together. It was a lot of fun. All
0: right. Let's just play this quick game uh, called Fact versus Fiction. I'm, Got it. going to list some roles that you played, and then you're going to give this answer as Mark. So, in Bye Bye Birdie on TV the TV yeah. movie you were right. Conrad birdie. So yep. if you could uh, have one last kiss with anybody, if today was your last day on earth, who would that be?
1: Uh, my wife.
0: Great. <laughs> Good Shannon Lewis.
1: Yes. Good answer.
0: And um, you had a guest starring role on sex in the city where you played Harrison who surprises <laughs> Samantha with something in his
1: closet. If we yeah. were to open your closet, what would we find? Not nearly as interesting as Harrison's, (laughs) a lot of clothing, uh, a lot of leather jackets that actually need to go away, and a lot of dog toys that my puppy has yet to receive.
0: Oh, love it. Uh, In Thoroughly Modern Millie, you played Trevor Graydon, who ran Sincere Trust, and you asked Millie to write a letter. Mm -hmm. Have you ever written a fan letter to
1: someone, and if so, who did you write it to? No, I've never done it. Oh, wow. I never, that was never my thing. Mm. I have met, uh, like, icon people, like, twice in my life. Mm -hmm. And I got to speak to them face to face. Mm. better than a letter.
0: Yes, definitely. Uh, Going back to nine to five for a minute, um, what are some odd jobs you had prior to being an actor?
1: Um, The most odd job that I had was I was a master electrician's assistant. Mm. And I would do, like, you know when you go to an auto store, they have all of those fluorescent lights hanging on the ceiling? Yes, yes. I would be in charge of installing them. Oh so I would be hanging upside down and I would be chaining them up and I would be wiring them up. Oh, wow. Until I remember um, I got shocked oh. because the master electrician forgot to shut off the electric line that I was setting up. Oh and that God. was my last day at work yeah. as an assistant to a master electrician.
0: Yeah. Well, um, we're up to the last question. So I always end my podcast playing off of my podcast title, uh, Bearing It All with Call Me Adam. So if you could bear it all and reveal something about yourself that you've not told previously, what would you share with me today? Oh.
1: Um, if I'm being honest, with all of the craziness going on, and I really wish for everybody's health and happiness, I truly, truly do. I've really enjoyed the quiet. Mm-hmm. I've really enjoyed the quiet. <laughs> I've really enjoyed not doing eight shows a week. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, yeah. I not that I don't love it, but it is exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're doing our jobs right, it, it should exhaust us. But boy, I I've sure enjoyed the quiet.
0: Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. It's wonderful mm-hmm. you've gotten to experience
1: it. Yeah, and again, I wish health and safety to everyone.
0: Yes, yes. Well, that's the whole interview. Thank you so much for coming yeah, onto dude, the show. Yeah, dude, that crap down. Yes, and- <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> and everybody listening, when Broadway resumes, go see Mark in Girl from the North Country. In the meantime, come to the Broadway Podcast Network. Listen yeah. to Bleeding Love. And listen. we have over 50 podcasts of theater and art-related podcasts uh, shows. So do give us a listen, broadwaypodcastnetwork.com and definitely check out Bleeding Love. Thanks for listening. He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the story for he happens to be in the know. Just ask anybody who's had Adam, Adam for the business of show. Call me adam.com Find more episodes of Burying It All with Call Me Adam at broadwaypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere podcasts are streamed, including iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, and Stitcher. Follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Call NYC. For my print and video interviews, visit my website, callmeadam.com. And finally, If you really want to get involved, become a member of my Patreon page at patreon.com backslash callmeadamnyc. There, you'll get exclusive perks, including behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and everybody's favorite swag.